Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another Ask Zach. Today, we're going to talk about Vox amps. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and uh, I finally have a Vox amp that I love, and it's taken me a long time, and so I wanted to talk about that and tell you how I found you know, what I think is the ideal Vox circuit. And uh, okay, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's, the, it's a 1964 Vox AC-10, and uh, I got it from... Uh, Dan Strain, and uh, it's got a cool story about the restoration and the people involved in it. And so I'm going to talk a bit about that, kind of my journey uh, towards uh, how I love Vox amps. I'm, yes, I'm a deluxe reverb guy, but also have a, a great affinity for Vox amps. And uh, yeah, so just a little bit about Vox, a little history about the AC-10 and the significance of it and why it's such a really cool circuit. All right. So while you're thinking about it, well, if you've been enjoying the show and you haven't subscribed yet, we'll go down in the corner. And then if you've already subscribed, and then I'd really appreciate you supporting the show. And you can, uh, there's tip jar information in the description of the video. There's also at askzack.com, you can find friends of Ask Zach for those of you that have asked about supporting the show on a monthly basis. We also have merch, and this is actually a new design. And so this is a uh, you know, nice circuit, and then it has the uh, little Ask Zach logo down here, and it says Guitar Tech, Guitar Talk. So that's a lot of fun. So, all right, back to the video. So I think like most people, I became aware of Vox because of the Beatles. So I think, you know, I mean, who's been photographed or videoed more, filmed more uh, with Vox equipment than the Beatles? I mean, they, uh, you know, they you know, were huge Vox supporters, and Vox, of course, supported them uh, all through their careers, you know, per, pretty much up until the end when they started playing, you know, Fender stuff, uh, because, you know, Vox had changed hands, and, and uh, things had kind of gone downhill with them, but, uh, yeah, it kind of starts with the, with the Beatles, then, uh, you know, and one of the funny things about the Beatles is, is that, you know, we really think of the AC-30 as being the Beatle amp. But it was only the Beatle amp for a short period of time. In fact, by December of 1963, they had stopped using AC-30s. In fact, the only one that they had, uh, they used one for the Vox Continental Organ that John Lennon would play some that was kind of on uh, really far stage left. 
and uh, you know in some of the footage you'll see you know, where John Lennon will go over and usually he's hamming around and there's a top boost AC-30 behind him that the Continental was plugged into but meanwhile they had already moved on to uh, you know by the time they came to the states they were already using AC-50s and then they were using AC-100s and uh, yeah and different variations of that uh, then there's uh, the John Lennon um, I guess song that, well, that he's singing lead vocal on, uh, It's Only Love, has that, uh, you know, guitar line that sounds like the Vibravox circuit, which that probably meant that that was probably an AC-30, because of course the bigger amps didn't have that circuit in it. So, probably an AC-30, but uh, yeah. So you have the Beatles, then uh, probably one of the examples that I also saw was uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I remember, you know, seeing uh, Mike Campbell, you know, and he was playing his uh, his Broadcaster. That's a real interesting guitar, and uh, and he and they were and they had this wall of Super Beetle amps, and uh, I can't remember what TV show it was, but anyway, they played you know something you know. It was, it was very, you know, beatly, and then he, he played this solo that was very kind of southern rock sounding, you know, this. He played that kind of thing, and uh, I was like, yeah, I like that. You know, it was, it was, it was twangy and jangly and, uh, you know, bridge pickup Telecaster through a, a, a Vox amp or... Of course, probably in the recording of it might have been a Tweed Deluxe or something like that. But it, at least on that TV show, they were using the, the Super Beatles. Then the next thing that really hit me hard was seeing uh, John Jorgensen play with the Desert Rose Band. And he had uh, two AC-30s. And I remember seeing him on Austin City Limits and other television shows. And, uh, you know, and he had that, again, the Telecaster thing or GNL ASAT. And, you know, that real ringy, you know, thing that... just something about a Vox and you, you put a telly in front of a Vox and it just has this really uh, twangy jangly wonderful tone so I heard those things and I thought well that's the sound I want I want a Vox amp well I ended up you know of course coming to Nashville I met you know of course I was in college with Brad Paisley and uh, he already had AC30s and it was kind of like well, that's his thing. I need to find something else. And so I used, you know, mostly Fender and Music Man amps all through kind of the 90s. And then finally, I just decided, you know, I'm going to get a Vox amp. So Korg, you know, had, uh, had you know, of course, Vox is just a name. And so Korg was make well, the Marshall Factory was making Vox amps in the 90s. And they had those, you know, nice reissues. And they had gotten Celestian to start making the blue speaker again. And those are some good amps, but I bought one and it was a lemon and nothing against Vox, but this was, this amp, you know, I, 
I had it worked on six times in a year. I had it fail on me during shows. I had uh, I had to play through a bass amp for a gig uh, because you know because it went out and and finally I just ended up you know dumping it. Um, you know I traded it in for like five hundred bucks at a guitar center in Houston, and uh, you know which was horrible because I had paid close to two thousand dollars for it and uh, I was just kind of heartbroken. So. I used, you know, some Dr. Z amps and, and those, those were great, but it was like, I always wanted the, you know, the, I wanted a Vox. I wanted the Vox sound. I wanted to have that in my, you know, kind of arsenal of tones. So probably five years ago, I tried again and I got a, one of the Korg, you know, uh, you know, British made AC-15s. That is, you know, it's not really, it's not like a JMI AC-15. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a top boost AC-15 kind of thing, you know. And uh, and it was good, but it still didn't have the sound that I, I wanted to hear. And it didn't sound like an old amp at all. Because, of course, I had heard those working with Brad. He had a bunch of, you know, JMI AC-30s. He had, you know, a bunch of them that had add-on top boost. And then, of course, later on, he got some an AC-15, you know, vintage one. And... So I was just, you know, it's not the sound. So I just decided, well, I'm just a Fender guy. I'm going to keep playing through my Deluxe Reverb and my Harvard, and that's going to be it. I'm just not going to care about the Vox thing. That's just, I'm just not going to do it. So then a couple of months ago, um, you know, I've, of course, I've been friends with friends with Dan Strain or Dan O'Caster for, you know, a number of years. And I always noticed he had he had two Vox amps at his house. And I didn't know what they were, and I didn't really care. And finally, you know, he said, you know, I've got two, you know, vintage Vox AC-10s and uh, one of them stock and the other one's in kind of a, a, a different, you know, cabinet. It's not, it's not original. He said, uh, you know, really, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about selling that one. And I was kind of, kind of curious. Then I was like, nah. And then it just kind of kept bugging me. And so then I was asking him about it, and he said, you know, I used to own three vintage AC-30s. And he said, they sound amazing, but they were all just too loud, too loud to record with, you know. And he said, when I found these AC-10s, they were really perfect because they're, they're the right volume. They kind of hit the sweet spot at the right volume level, and... Uh, he said, I got rid of all my AC-30s because I love these AC-10s so much. And uh, and then, he, you know, he, of course, he got to the point where he wanted to sell one of them, the one that had the, you know, kind of crazy big cab. And I'll post a picture of that. But, uh, yeah, so finally I decided, okay, well, can I borrow it for a couple of days? And he said, sure. So I went and got it and uh, had it here and uh, started playing through it, and I just fell in love with the sound of it. I was like, this is the Vox sound that I've always wanted to have for my arsenal, you know, for my, you know, my Harvard Deluxe Reverb Vox AC-10. So, uh, so we made a, made a deal and he was, he was very kind to me. And, uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the AC-10. So, it's not really as known now. It's known a little more now because Vox has done a an AC10 amp that they have out now, but it is not a reissue of the original AC10 or any of the iterations that were made in the 60s. So I just want to 
throw that out there. And But to also to say that the current AC-10 is a great little amp, and I have tons of friends that have them and, and love them, and they're a great little box. But uh, the original AC-10 came out in 1958 and had kind of the TV front. You know, it didn't, it didn't have the, the split front. It had the, the TV front. And then, and it was kind of still based on kind of some Univox, you know, accordion kind of designs. It wasn't until Dick Denny got involved in 1960 and they had already, the year before, actually maybe in 58, 59, Dick Denny had already kind of gotten the AC-15 dialed in and it was part of it was he was using an EF-86 preamp tube. So the EF-86 is a very special part of the AC-15, the early AC-30, and the AC-10. So the EF-86 is the original Vox sound. That's the sound that put Vox on the map. That's the sound the shadows used. That's, that's, that's what launched the company. And what happened was, of course, as you know, crowds got bigger and they had to make bigger amps, well, they made an AC-30 that had the EF-86 tube in it. And what happened was that when it got in a, in a bigger cab and was louder, it started going microphonic. So then they started chasing their tail because they had to get rid of the EF-86. And the EF-86 is a very special, cool tube, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So, because everyone was, you know, because once they took it out and they just put a 12AX7 in there, they're like, where did the sound go? So that's when they developed the top boost circuit because it was all about Dick Denny and you know Underwood and the other guys at, at Vox trying to get the EF-86 sound but without that tube and, and, and at a higher volume. Well, the great thing is, and the great thing about this amp is, the AC-15 and the AC-10 never lost the EF-86. So, you know, all the classic, you know, JMI AC-15s and AC-10s have the, you know, the coveted EF-86 circuit. So, in kind of the original not completely original, but in the early lineup, you know, you had the AC-15 as the top of the line before the AC-30 came out. Now, if you really want to dive deep into this, I suggest you watch Keith Williams' uh, Vox AC-30 video, 5-Watt World, or you get, you know, Vox the JMI Years, which is an $80 uh, coffee table book that's this big, and I, I own it. It's a it's an amazing book, uh, and it's even though it's $80, I'll, I'll, I'll say it's absolutely worth it. But, uh, you know, if you really want to dive deep. But, uh, so the top of the line at that point was the AC-15. And then they had also created the AC-4, which was the little practice amp. Well, they decided they needed an amp that was in the middle of those two. So what they did was where the AC-15 had the Vibravox circuit. And the Vibravox was kind of this phasey tremolo vibrato kind of sound that used a quite a bit of circuitry and, and, and at least two tubes, uh, they took that out. So they took that out of the AC-15 circuit and they used just a, a regular tremolo circuit that used you know the bias variety where it's biasing the, the tube. And they, uh, they, uh, you know, they put that in there. And then instead of having a 12-inch speaker, they gave it a 10-inch speaker. And then they found that the amps were still too close and so what they did was the inputs on the AC-15 had uh, 68K resistors. 
Okay. Well, they took the resistors up to 220. And what that did was it padded the input. And so it made the AC10 and the AC15 more different in volume. So basically they kind of cut off its legs and, but the legs were still there. So of course this is fast forwarding a bit, but what everybody found out was you could take those AC10s and you could put, you know, the uh, 68K resistors on there. And all of a sudden the amp would be quite a bit louder and, and, and brighter and have more life to it. And it's all of a sudden it sounded pretty much like an AC15. So yeah, so the AC15 was the AC10, I should say, the AC10 was that middle ground between the AC4 and the AC15. And so kind of the classic lineup of, uh, you know, of the classic, uh, you know, tube layout, you know, f like from 60 until, you know, let's say, you know, 67, 65, 67 around in there when, when they, uh, they kind of went under, uh, was, was this. So it had a EZ81 rectifier. Uh, which kind of looks more like an EL84. It's kind of a skinny guy. Then you had two EL84 power tubes, just like an AC15. Then you had a uh, ECC83 or 12X7, which was the phase inverter. Okay. Then you had an ECF82, which this was like part of the preamp and part of the oscillator, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the, for the tremolo. And that's kind of a really interesting tube because it's kind of part EF86 and it's kind of part 12X7. And it, uh, it's kind of a, a rare tube. So then you of course had the EF86, which of course was a, was a preamp. And what makes the EF86 so different than a 12X7 is a 12X7 has an ampli amplification factor of 100. Okay, so it's the highest of its type. So like a 5751 has a lower you know, amplification you know, rating or a 12AU7. So the 12AX7 is 100. Well, the EF86 is 185. So it's almost double the power. And so it can do a lot more. And it, it basically functions almost like two 12AX7s. And it also has a much better input as far as being able to take higher level signals, whether it's from a loud, you know, high output guitar or from pedals. So it, uh, it deals better with that, has a greater dynamic range. And uh, then as far as just its tonal characteristics, I would say it kind of has a, a really assertive mid-range, uh, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, you know, ringy, uh, you know, jangly kind of thing. So that's, you know, that's kind of the, uh, the, uh, the layout of the AC 10. So then, and the amp again was originally a 110 amp, but then it soon became a 210 amp and it was called the AC 10 twin. And so that's what this amp originally was. So this amp originally was an AC 10 twin and I don't know what happened to it, but it got this really strange, big, heavy cabinet. And it was, you know, like the close to the size of like a super reverb cab. And it was made out of MDF. And you don't know if you don't know what MDF is, it's basically sawdust and glue and it's heavy and it's not known for like resonance or anything. But even in that, the amp sounded incredible. So with that, and I have to say one or two other things about, you know, this, this amp. So it had a replaced transformer. So, you know, 
And because the, the original cab was gone, you know, a, a transformer was replaced. And it was with a nice one. It's got a Mercury Magnets, you know, transformer tone clone in there. Uh, and it still sounded so great. But with that, I just decided, you know what? I'd rather have a smaller cab for it. So I started, you know, kind of looking around. And then I remembered that I had seen a video by Vintage Wood Workshop and where Kyle Bollendorf had uh, made a new cab for a Silverface Deluxe Reverb, a 68 one. And I really enjoyed the video and, I, and his work was just amazing. And so I reached out to him and I said, Kyle, would you be willing to uh, make a cab for this 1964 AC-10? It's got this huge MDF thing, and uh, I really want to want to do that. And he uh, he agreed to it. He said, "In fact, you know, you uh, do your video, and and I'll do mine, and we'll uh, you know, and that way people can uh, you can talk about it, and then people can actually see the cabinet being made." So we made we had this. Well, Kyle, of course, made it, but this is you know Baltic birch like an old one, and uh, we went for the earlier style cabinet, which was thinner. So they later made them thicker, and they have like, the uh, the corner, the plastic corners on them. But the earlier amps, they're like, you know, 60, 61, 62, even into 63, uh, they're thinner. The, the wood of the cabinet is thinner. And so I wanted to do that partially for weight and partially for resonance. So, and we stuck with the, uh, the exact same dimensions as a AC-10 twin. Now, we did have to modify it a bit in that we had to bring this part of the panel up a little bit so that we could fit a 12-inch speaker in here because I didn't want to do the two 10s because the amp already had a 12 in it in that big MDF cap. It had a great Celestian blue in it, and the amp just sounded so great. I was like, well, I'm not going to mess with this. Let's put a, uh, you know, let's put a 12 in there. So he did that. He, uh, you know, and so there's, you know, so you can watch the video and see how it all comes together. We put brass uh, vents on it and, uh, yeah, got the, uh, you know, from North Coast Music, got all the, you know, the, the Vox parts. And uh, no one makes smooth, um, the smooth vinyl, you know, kind of Levant that was on those early, you know, black AC30s. And so I went with Marshall uh, covering. But, uh, yeah, so, and then I guess a little side note is that the guy that did the work on this amp, uh, when Dan got it was, uh, Paul Cochran of Timmy pedal fame. So, uh, yeah, so it's had some, some good hands have, have been on this, but I'm, I'm blown away by the, by the cabinet and then the work that, uh, that Kyle did. And, uh, here, I'm just going to play a little bit and I, I'm, you know, using, of course, the EF 86 channel. And, uh, yeah, the only effect I'm using, I'm using a touch of plate reverb off a of Boss RV2. So, uh, you know, you have this kind of thing.
So you can hear it's just got that Vox thing. It's got this wonderful compression to it. It's got this barkiness. It's just got a lot of wonderful uh, character to it. And that's the EF86 channel. So I'm going to move it over to the, the normal channel, which has a 12AX7. Also great, but there is just something about the EF86 just has a little bit more character. It has a little bit, a little bit more mid-range, and also it has the tremolo. So uh, here. Again, I'm just using a reverb pedal. That's the only thing I'm using. And just a touch of verb. It just has a, a, an amazing sound. So, yeah. So I think this is the greatest design that Vox really ever did. And, you know, the vintage Vox AC-10s are out there. And they're not cheap, but they're not crazy expensive. You know, depending on how original they are, they're kind of in the three dollars to $4,000 range, which... No, it's not cheap, but that's still in the range of a lot of boutique amps. And, uh, you know, these amps are just really, really cool. And the one thing I would do is, yeah, is, is have the input resistors change from 220 to, to 68K. And, uh, and then it's just, you know, a lot of them come with the ELAC, you know, speakers, which they're hard to find anyone that can recone those things. And so you might want to put some other speakers in that or, if you're lucky, like me, maybe you can find one that's in really bad shape and doesn't have the original cab, and you can have a nice uh, 112 cab made for it and put a Celestian blue, because I think that's really the uh, ideal situation. Because what you end up with, what I have here, is basically an AC-15, except instead of the Vibrovox circuit, which I don't care for at all, you get a great tremolo, which for me is so much more usable. So for me, this is the ideal amp. It's also a little a little lighter. It has less tubes in it than an AC-15, and uh, you know, which means less heat, and uh, you know, tubes will last longer. Yada yada yada. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for watching, and I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, of course, I got a lot of help from. Uh, uh, let's see. Keith Williams you know, helped me out. The, uh, the the Vox, the JMI years was was very helpful. And, and I, of course, thank you to Kyle Bullendorf for the amazing cab that he built. And I hope you will watch his video on the making of the cab. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.